The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome everybody. It is a Monday night and it is AFL night here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Kim Hagdorn joins us. Haggers, a very good evening to you. G'day to you, Peter. Uh, gee, wasn't there plenty on yeah, the weekend? A great round of AFL. It was. Uh, that Geelong-Richmond game, as we predicted on Thursday, was the standout event. And, bit disappoint- even- a bit disappointed on Thursday night. I went home yeah. from here on Thursday night expecting something a bit more uh, significant uh, from the Brisbane Lions. That were poor against Melbourne on Thursday night. But what came out of that game, we'll talk about the whole round in a moment, was the performance of Luke Jackson, who's commanding headlines right around the footy states at the moment. That is Victoria, South Australia and Western Australia. This is what he said because he had the responsibility with no Max Gorn to step up. And see, he certainly did step up. Luke Jackson. Uh, we might fire him now. Here we go. Yeah, I just wanted to try and play my national game and um, obviously a massive loss with Gorney out, so I just want to, yeah, to compete at a high level and just try and play my role to the best I can. So, yeah, I'm um, good to contribute to the win as well. No, I love it because it, come, it comes pretty rare for me to kick some good goals, so, yeah, celebrate when I can. There you go, Luke Jackson, kicked yeah. goals, uh, took over the ruck responsibilities and all of a sudden his currency even went further north. And let's let's take it even further north on that, Peter, because... The race, or hunt, as we can call it, for Luke Jackson, it rages behind what Fremantle and West Coast are doing on the field, and even Luke himself with Melbourne, because Luke Jackson, the 20-year-old, 20 20 he's only played 43 games. Mm-hmm. You know, he was taken three years ago in a draft where Fremantle uh, had picks seven, eight, and nine, and he was taken at pick number three to Melbourne. Luke Jackson has met with Fremantle officials last Saturday morning in Melbourne. Luke Jackson met with Peter Bell and Jamie Graham, senior assistant oh, coach. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was hours before the game, hours before Fremantle turned in. I thought a really poor performance on Saturday. Yeah. It's worth getting into that. But over breakfast in Morty Alec, which is south of Melbourne CBD. I think it's down it's towards St Kilda's, Moorabbin. Yeah, and Seaforth, where, they've, yeah. Uh, where they used to have their facilities and moved back to Moorabbin. Mm-hmm. So a cafe in the main street of Morty Alec. Uh, all wearing sunglasses and baseball caps. <laughs> the eyewitness eyewitness uh, account of it is that it looked like the CIA or the FBI had come to town to interview uh, an international witness. But uh, Fremantle continued to be linked with Luke Jackson, and this takes it even further. A meeting on Saturday morning, football it, operations general Morty manager, Alec. Morty Alec, yeah. between Luke Jackson, Peter Bell, and Jamie Graham. So they've taken it further. No now, manager. No, it was just, just those three, three of them. Yeah, and eyewitnesses recognised Sungla- Luke Jackson. Sunglasses and baseball caps. Recognised Luke Jackson. Weren't sure of Peter Bell. Didn't <laughs> recognise Jamie Graham. But once all the photos went around and the, and the responses, oh, you know, that's Jamie. That's the guy from West Coast that's gone to Fremantle. Good friends of Justin Longmuir. That was the type of uh, interaction on texts and photographs to identify these people. Uh, but it was in Morty Alec. Now... That, that strengthens what we've been hearing about Fremantle after Luke Jackson. But what I've got to throw in here is because I'm trying to check this a step further, it was reminded to me that re- rest assured West Coast are in the race for Luke Jackson as well. Mm-hmm. And West Coast maintain that they can come up with 
the, the big financial offer, which we've we've all heard about, a six or seven year deal in the range of ten million dollars, so a one point four, one point five million dollars a year for this budding superstar, twenty years of age. But what West Coast can give up that Fremantle are going to struggle to put together is a deal for Melbourne to accept any type of a trade. Now, I think this is a long shot anyway, because I still feel, like a lot of people do, that Luke Jackson's likely to stay at Melbourne. But it's round 15. We're two months away from a final series where Melbourne will probably go into it as the number one contender to win another premiership. Luke Jackson could come to Fremantle, to to West Coast, because they've got the picks that that would satisfy uh, the likes of Melbourne. So West Coast will have they'll have pick one or two as we, as we're now expecting. They can't give that away this year unless they trade back into the early early round, so that somewhere early in the single figures, and that's what Jackson would command, pick number one or two. Mm-hmm. But you'd go after it. He's only twenty. Yeah. He's like getting a draftee, so he fits the West Coast Eagles replenishment plan. So Luke Jackson uh, met with Peter th- Bell on Saturday morning. And it continues to fester that Luke Jackson is on the market to come back to Western Australia. Okay, and you're talking about West Coast, okay? And for the majority of this year, we were talking about Tim English. He signed for two years, then he becomes a restricted free agent. The chance by then, Nick Natanui may be hanging up his boots, and Tim English is a ready start for West Coast. Mm. If they are successful in luring Luke Jackson, where does he fit in the puzzle? Well, You've, you've prompted me here because I go deeper into the notes and deeper into this whole saga, this latest chapter in the Luke Jackson chase back to Western Australia, Fremantle and West Coast. Isn't it a derby rivalry mm. <laughs> off-field after the number one target in the country? West Coast negotiation considerations to, cons- to secure Jackson has involved talks with Nick Natanui. They've already spoken and to Nick him. Nick Natanui has indicated very strongly Go after him. Get him at all costs. I'll play on as the number two ruckman. I'm happy to play a lot less percentage. I'm happy to go forward. And I'm happy to meet with the guy and try and convince him that we're the right place for him to be. Nick Natanui is a central piece to the endeavours for West Coast to win Luke Jackson. Now, with Fremantle to win that race, they're going to have to give up players to get draft picks or to give them straight to Melbourne. So that's where Rory Lobb falls in. It's where Griffin Logue falls in. It's where two or three other players that are probably still in contract Mm. could fall in with Fremantle. So a a bargaining and bartering with two different types of commodities available to Fremantle and West Coast in their chase for Luke Jackson. They'll all come up with the money because we know Josh Kennedy's going to retire. We we can declare that and he will retire somewhere pretty – he'll announce it pretty soon, I reckon. They're talking about early August? Well, they are, but that's that's because that's the last real home game that West Coast have got. They play round 21 against Adelaide. Then it's they play Fremantle. That's Fremantle's home derby, though. And then round 23 is Geelong away. Well, you're not going to let no. a player like Josh Kennedy finish against Fremantle at a home derby for Fremantle or on the road to Geelong where they're going to – they won't reach Geelong down there. So it's somewhere, if not – and I, I said Carlton – not this week coming, the week after. My suspicion, let's keep an eye to whether Josh Kennedy actually travels to play against Richmond this coming weekend. It'll be tempting on the back of his five, but he kicked five goals and I reckon he was pretty much, you know, probably the reason that West Coast won on Friday night. He was brilliant. They, West Coast were a bit questionable. I mean, there was a lot of carry-on about, oh, West Coast are back, they've had a win. They beat a bunch of kids by 10 points. 
and Kennedy kicked five goals, and they lost all the other indicators, West Coast. Kennedy kicks five straight on the back of a bye and a refreshener. I'm not so sure he could keep doing that if he travels to play against Richmond, then plays against Carlton, travels to play against Hawthorne, then plays against St Kilda. Watch for Josh Kennedy to miss some games soon to get him through to this farewell game, if it is indeed in round 21 against Adelaide. Okay, that's the latest on Josh Kennedy. We've got that. Uh, Hag's got some big stories and big news regarding Luke Jackson. We'll repeat that uh, a bit later on. Let's go to St Kilda. And reportedly there is a bit of news. Now, Patrick Ryder was managed uh, in the game for the game against Sydney. He didn't go to the Harbour City where St Kilda was so poor. And Brad Hill missed for personal reasons. Now this we've discussed it pre-show. This is a developing story and there may be some news regarding Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill as early as in the next 24 hours for the reasons that they missed the game and the important game in Sydney on the weekend. When we saw the teams last Thursday, I was astounded that St Kilda, who are on a bit of a slide, had left out Paddy Ryder for mm. management. So that immediately sent alarm bells ringing through me. Personal reasons, it could be anything with anybody. And, and Brad Hill said personal reasons. But not willing to accept that Paddy Ryder has been rested where St Kilda had dropped their previous two games out of their bye to, to Brisbane and Essendon. And their loss to Essendon was deplorable. They were horrible, St Kilda. Totally unforgivable. You cannot accept how badly they played that night. And Paddy Ryder was managed mm. to play against Sydney with Tom Hickey coming back, I thought, no, no, you're kidding. Something's not right here. So just happened to speak to one or two of the right people to find out that they were dropped. They were disciplined for brawling. Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill disciplined. Disciplined by St Kilda, involved in a pub fight the week before, and they were left out of that game. They had to be disciplined. And I think this is a growing story. I think there are other people far more – uh, capable than I, Peter, around mm. the country that are onto this. So I think we might find out for sure in the next day or two. Okay, interesting. Uh, also, let's talk about Brett Ratton and Simon Lethlian, who's the uh, heir apparent. Uh, he's, uh, I think well, he's already act- been declared. Yeah. He's going to be chief executive chief when executive. Matt Finnis finishes at the end of the year, end uh, of the footy season. What's question about Brett Ratton's contract because all of a sudden the acid is on the St Kilda coach. This is what he had to say, Simon Lethlian. Now, we've taken our time with that process. We've been consistent, I think, in saying that for where we're at now with our program and our list, that we think Rats is our man. Um, I doubt anyone would have challenged us on that you know, a fortnight ago. Um, clearly, that's a debate that um, can now happen on the back of our form. But you know, what I would say is we, we aren't as reactive internally, perhaps, as the external football world is. Um, and you know, we'll keep progressing down the path that we've said we will with Brett and his management. You know, I spoke to Brett last night that, that that's still ticking along, but our focus and certainly his focus is actually, um, you know, arresting our form at the moment. Um, as I said, like other good clubs have done across the course of the year, but, um, you know, Andrew's, Andrew's comments were correct. We're still keying down that path and, and we're doing that, you know, with the right amount of diligence that we should. The season's gone pear-shaped, hasn't it? Oh, Significantly. And, season and they've got a tough run until the end of the season now. They're gone. They play Carlton this week. They then come. They then play Fremantle. That's at home. That's in mm. Melbourne uh, at Marvel. The Dogs, West Coast here, Hawthorne, and they finish St Kilda with Geelong, Brisbane, and Sydney. I, I see St Kilda as only at best a couple of wins from here. It's amazing. So, so they eight, eight and six. 
and I I can't see many wins there for St Kilda. And if Simon Lithlian is saying what he just said, then we're listening to him. Mm. If if it's all hunky dory and he's and and he's their man, and we're gonna we're, we're we're working with things. If they're that comfortable, then declare that he's got the job for next year, at least for next year, perhaps, because their run, they're delusional if they think they're going to win enough there to go back into the eight. I, they, they're not getting the only team outside the eight for mine that's getting in is Richmond. Richmond sitting ninth. And their run is very impressive. I think Richmond, and I, they were one of the winners on the weekend. Oh, now, that, I, sorry, everyone's going to say, hang on, they lost by three points. But they lost nothing in terms of their potential. They're really dangerous now, Richmond. Yeah, but but you, you are very uh, boyish about Geelong. Geelong, oh, yeah. to me, they went a bit of a nap uh, on Saturday and they allowed Richmond to come back. But when they needed to strike again... They struck again, even though, of course, the Tom Stewart uh, scenario, and we'll talk about that a bit later on, was certainly hovering over uh, the team's head. And certainly him, even though he finished up best yeah. on ground. You know, he got votes in the uh, in the umpiring votes. Uh, I think he got about fourth or fifth best on ground from yeah. the umpire. Yeah. So Geelong looked good, and Patrick Dangerfield reportedly is back this week. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I'm going to stay with Geelong because I, I actually went through it today, Pete. I think Geelong can finish up about second, as high as second, Melbourne, Geelong, Sydney, Brisbane is the way I project forward to being the final top four. And, and Brisbane, as much as they were awful uh, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground on Thursday night, and they are very suspect on the road, Brisbane, still very suspect, especially at the MCG. But I think they've got enough games at the Gabba and enough beatable opponents that Brisbane will finish top four. Geelong, they've got North Melbourne at home this week. Then Melbourne... Down at home, that's mm. home is an advantage to them. Carlton and Port and the Dogs. Now they're all sides vying for spots, perhaps in the top eight, and certainly Carlton even for the spot in the top four if they could beat Geelong. And they finish Geelong with St Kilda, Gold Coast, and the West Coast Eagles. And St Kilda and the Eagles are down at Geelong. Yeah, they I think they continue to win and finish up with about sixteen or seventeen wins, just like Melbourne. And then Sydney, 15 wins. Brisbane, 15. Carlton, 14 or 15. Richmond, 14 or 15, 14. 13 for, or 14 for Fremantle. I think Fremantle could slip as low as 6th or 7th. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, just repeating the news, Kim Hagdorn has revealed here on Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Monday night that Luke Jackson, the uh, standout Melbourne uh, Oh, utility play. He can play forward, of course. He can uh, play in the ruck. He is uh, only 20 years of age, has met with Fremantle officials last Saturday morning in the suburb of Morty Alec at a uh, cafe and Peter Bell and Jamie Graham were in attendance. Uh, that's been revealed here on the Drive program and also the fact that Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill, who missed the game against Sydney by the, for the Saints, were disciplined because of an altercation that occurred uh, about a week not earlier. Not between them, let's clarify, not yeah. those two. It's not like involved. Melksham and May at Melbourne three weeks ago, it is more that one of them was spoken. I think, and I reckon it'll come out. It, mm. it was clearly something very racial and Paddy Ryder got in to defend Brad. Brad. Okay. We're going to take a break. Of course, you can get on the temper of bed said text line 0487 736 736. Get involved. We've already got uh, uh, Alex and also Roy and others coming through. 0487 736 736. That's the temper at bedshed text line. Go to it now. And of course, you can also give us a call and maybe have a chat to us. 13 12 55. That's the Scarborough Toyota open line. We're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. 
Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome back. Great to have your company. As I said, you can get involved with us any time on the uh, Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Clear a couple of texts first, uh, Haggers. Uh, this is uh, Roy, and he says, Hags and Pete, has Jack Darling turned his career around, and how many years has he got left on he's his got, contract? He's got two more, that I, uh, as I'm aware, 2024, end of 2024. Mm. He gets a million dollars next year. He gets a million, he's on $930,000 this year. So has he turned his career around? He doesn't do anything more than what he's done for his last 240-odd games. Has a tight, not a bad quarter or two every now and again and plays a significant role in that quarter for West Coast to come back or stay in a game. He does, he averages 12 possessions a game and every now and again he kicks three or four goals. I mean, even the other day on La Verde, mm. Laverde, they didn't even play their best defender on Jack Darling. They played Ridley on Kennedy. Well, Ridley even even Ridley on Kennedy, Laverde, Ridley, Kelly. They're going to get smashed by experienced and good forwards like Kennedy and Darling. But Darling does it so seldom. But those that those that lord Jack Darling will scream from the top of the highest tower in the country. Oh, Jack's back! Look at that one. You, you've been critical of him. Jack does this. Jack, he, he does it once every now and again. And this year, I reckon he's done it about three times where he's even been worthy of considering for their best players. Sure, the other day, but there was a long list of them. And all their forwards got in on kick goals. And just as well they did because they were beaten with the ball going back the other way a lot. And if Wright had kicked straight, Wright kicks through, say, 5-2 to yeah, half-time. At one stage, he had 4-4. He had 4-4. Four, four. Finished with 4-4. Four, four. He had 3-4 yeah. at half-time. The ball wouldn't have gone back to Darling. But Darling would have been a contender for your best the other day. But is he going to get ahead of Yo or Rioli or Kennedy or Redden? No way. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Al of North Lake. And there is a bit of a uh, Jack Darling fan club out there. Haggers, have you checked the coaches' votes for the last round? Uh Behold, Jack Darling got five votes. He did. The coaches' votes had Peter Wright and Josh Kennedy on eight. Jack Darling, five. Rioli, three. I thought Rioli was better than Darling for mine. Anyway, Mason Redman uh, was good, I thought, for the Bombers. And then Ryan Yo, who had a very good first half, and Dylan Shield. They were the votes uh, that were cast by the coaches. Well, I, I thought the best on ground was Josh Kennedy. And, and that's Willi, the way Willi, we went in our Willi, coverage. Willie Rioli was probably West Coast's second best player. Redman was their third best player. Uh, quite comfortably. Elliot Yo faded a little bit. Uh, Shannon Hearn was terrific. Um, I, I, you could have given a number of West Coast Eagles players if you had to just come up with four or five, but not Jack Darling. Okay. Now, we want to open the temper of bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. One of the big stories is Tom Stewart, who's an outstanding footballer for Geelong, but just lost it uh, in the split second. And now he's looking at an extended period on the sidelines, going to the tribunal uh, tomorrow night. This is what his coach had to say. He is a scrupulously fair player and just a fantastic, strong character, fundamental to what we do at, um, at Geelong. You know, I think when my time's come and gone, I'll look back and say I was, I was honoured to know and to coach Tom Stewart. And that's partly because when I spoke to him post-game, he said, I've just made a horrible error and I feel terrible about it. So, OK. 
He said, I ran past the ball and I chose to bump. I, I, I didn't mean to do it, but gee, it was terrible execution and I'm going to pay the price for it. And I wouldn't normally be this expansive, but I thought it speaks to the man. That was brilliant by Chris Scott. Oh, I thought he was... delivered that well, but he's also put up the defence yeah. for Tom Stewart going to the tribunal. And, and they'll take all that. Uh, it's conditioning the industry for, say, three weeks for Instead Tom Stewart. Instead of four or five. If, if, if Chris had sort of said, oh, look, I didn't see it, and we'll have to wait and see But some outcome. a lot of the coaches do. do say yeah. that. And I think, well, that's because they probably have to. Mm. In this case, it's happened so early. You couldn't possibly have gone to a media conference uh, you know, 20 minutes after the game and say, I haven't seen it. And it was such a huge issue. And Chris Scott and his advisors would have known that. And so it was clever to get on the front foot and, yeah. and put that out there. Because as I say, and he would have sensed and known, it, this is going straight to the tribunal. This is not going to be an automatic handout of a two or three weeks and, and accept a, a one-week offer. So what do you think plea. you'll get? A month? I think you'll get three weeks. Three weeks? Uh, and, and had he tried to defend it in any way, had they tried to make excuses, it, it would have been a lot harsher. Mm-hmm. But it might be might be four. I'll, I'll go with, you asked for a figure, I reckon Tom Stewart gets three weeks. And all of if a they su- didn't give out more than two weeks for a, just a disgraceful act like a headbutt from uh, Bailey, Bailey Smith, Smith on Zach too, if they didn't give out three or four weeks for that, I, I'm not so sure they can go too much heavier, even though what they're the Tom Short one is one that they have to get out of the game mm. to go past the play and take out a player, which I think Chris, Wright is, Chris Scott is right in saying. I would have thought the same thing. Mm. It's not how Tom Stewart plays. Uh, and I can't recall the player. Remember when Stephen May went past the football for Melbourne a few seasons ago and took out a player late? I'm just trying to think exactly what sort of sentence he goes. Steve May, a few years ago, went past the player collected him very similar to what Tom Stewart had done, and I just can't remember the sentence. Maybe mm. someone mm. Would, would know. All of a sudden, when these things happen, Haggers, the send-off rule argument comes up again. And, and John Longmire from the Sydney Swans is urging for calm as the calls grow for the AFL to introduce a send-off rule for incidents like that one by Tom Stewart. Again, this is what Chris Scott had to say when he was questioned about the potential to uh, maybe incorporate the send-off rule. So I'm strongly of the view and have been for virtually my whole career. Well, when the vision became good enough for things to be um, tried by video, which is what they are, strongly of the view there shouldn't be match day reports because the risk of an umpire getting it wrong is far too great. And the idea of sending someone off and getting it wrong in a big game is a risk not worth taking. Well, this is a crazy idea and I shouldn't bring it up, but... Richmond are the one that have suffered the penalty. North Melbourne shouldn't get the benefit next week. So they get, they get no benefit whatsoever for losing one of their best players. Just an idea. Let, yeah, Leopard once said that you should miss it against that team when you're playing next. Yeah, that, that's sort of my version of restorative justice. Like, right. you know, the, the victim should actually be restored in some sort of way. I know, I know that idea is a lot broader than just sort of making sure that the victim's compensated in some way, but... Yeah, it's like, again, punitive action, like North Melbourne benefit. doesn't make any sense. So there you go. That's what uh, Chris Scott had to say regarding the send-off rule. And everyone's sort of saying, just uh, calm the farm well, here. Well, a lot are. There are some, I think, quite revered uh, football analysts, and they've got, uh, you know, beautiful, colourful careers, playing careers themselves in, now in retirement and working in media and having quite an influence. I think some of, even some of those greats are saying, 
you know, we should consider a send-off rule. We should have a send-off rule, one or two are saying, and one or two are saying uh, th- uh, the exact that that's the exact type of offence that calls for an automatic send-off, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a way overreaction because if you, don't, if you aren't proactive and preactive and, and get something in before an event like this, then you're not being proactive and, and constructive as a management. But not a send-off, Peter. The, the closest you could ever come to anything like most other sports around the world have would be a sin bin for a period of time so that your match review officer could review the instance mm. to then say, yes, you're staying out of the game. I, I don't go for that either. The one thing I don't also go for, I, Chris got a spot on there, match day reports should be a thing of the past. We should not have any of the field umpires making any match day reports because you've got the MRO system. You've got the MRO that look at every game and come up with what should be a sanction or a ban on on that particular instance. So we don't need field umpires saying he's on report, he's on report. The other thing too, just quickly on it, field umpires stay away from scuffles. Get out of the way. Leave them alone. Watch because their match review officer is going to be looking for whatever sanctions need to be taken. And also, you're not close enough to be touched by a player. Thankfully, Nathan Fife was dismissed for his touch on uh, umpire O'Gorman on Saturday afternoon, thankfully. But he was too close to the action. It was a quarter-time dust-up. That's what – get out of the way, you blokes, because you can't give a free kick. You're not in any position to break things up if players don't want to be broken up and just observe and help the MRO process if you're called on. Umpires get too close to some of these skirmishes, and that's why they get touched. Uh, And the incident I was referring to uh, regarding uh, Stephen May was when he was playing for the Suns, just come through, 2016, and he collected Stephen Martin. Uh, uh, late, very. I do sim- remember that year. Very similar over the ball. Yeah, correct. Think, and he yeah. came late and now he's I taken do. him out. Got five weeks. Yeah, okay. Got five weeks. It was April twenty. Well, I bet you in that case, then I reckon have, that's a bit of a precedent. It. Yeah, but also we'd have to we'd have to see it to remind us again. It yeah. would have. It wasn't as late. I don't think as perhaps even. Um, there it is, Kim. I'm just showing to you now. And the ball's gone. Similar. Past. The ball had yeah. gone away. Yeah. Similar. But he took him with a hip and shoulder, uh, and he bang. T- yeah. This one took him hip into the head. Yeah. So I, the other thing too is I think, again, everybody, the, the match review officer, the process that they go through to dish out sanctions, whether it goes to tribunal or not, they still they have to take into account more of the potential to cause injury. Now, that one was a really nasty one. That's a real bad look for the game when a tough little player like uh, Dion Prestia is as knocked out and as wobbly as he was. That's – so – the potential to cause even more injury there should be taken into account, and yet he's, ta- he's caused enough as it is. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, we're going to take uh, Lise very quickly before we take a break. Hello, Lise. How are you? Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hello, good, Lisa. thanks. I hope you both had a great weekend. Did, yeah. Um, I had a good weekend. My Both both my um, Eagles team won. <laughs> and Pete, 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 I listened to you and Scotty on Friday night calling the game. That was excellent. Thanks, And Lise. to top my weekend off, I got nine out of nine. Oh, did you? Well done. You even went yes. for Carlton. I, 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 I thought Fremantle could beat Carlton. Uh, no, but I went for Carlton. Yeah, good on you. Well, that's well done. Yep. And, um, Haggis, you just keep on keeping on, don't you? We, I, mm-hmm. I don't know who your spies are, but by God, you, you, you know, you find out some good news. <laughs> and um, just, just on Luke Jackson, um, a couple of weeks ago, I heard um, Justin Longmuir, he was asked about Luke Jackson, mm-hmm. and he said that um, he, he's, not, he's not getting in on it. 
and he finds um, that it's disrespectful um, for, uh, for other clubs to be chasing others um, while in mid-season or, you know, while the footy's still going. So, so where's that like, you know, and then we hear that Peter Bell and, uh, well, allegedly... Peter Bell and Jamie Graham spoke to Luke Jackson on the weekend. It happens all the time. There's, there's, there's several things that I continue to repeat and have done for a long time, Leisha, and I probably drive people like yourself mad that what gets said publicly in the AFL 99.9 times out of 100 is very different than what's going on behind it's the scenes. It's not the truth, or they're <laughs> stretching it. In 2017, Jerry McGovern had at least two... I've got them diarised at home. At least two, and I think a third meeting with um, Steve Rossich, Ross Lyon, Chris Bond, over Crown Lagers and Prawns was Jeremy's preferred <laughs> preferred lunch at someone's home that I won't reveal. And it was denied. It was denied all of 2017 and into 2018 that Jerry McGovern was going to Fremantle. Was Jerry McGovern committed to Fremantle until West Coast pounced a five-year deal at 1.25 million in, in front of him, and he took that in mid in July of 2018. That's the sort of thing that goes on, and they try to keep it quiet. They have to keep it quiet. They're not yeah. supposed to. They're not supposed to. Okay, at least we've got to take a break. But thanks for calling. I really appreciate you listening in to the call on the weekend. Keep listening and keep listening to uh, Drive with Peter Vlasa, particularly on a Monday and a Thursday when Hags does deliver the news. Now, regarding the story, Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill, we might have a bit more news on that from actually a listener of ours who's got some more information from the person or a person, a contact of his that may have been at the venue that mm. this transpired. We'll share that with you after the so break. So this, this is the St Kilda boys one, is it? Yeah, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll release that next after the break. 0487 736 736. That's a temper at Bedshed text line. Just repeating, uh, Kim Haglund has released that Luke Jackson met with Peter Bell and also Jamie Graham uh, at a cafe in Mordialic in suburban Melbourne on Saturday morning to discuss what Fremantle would have in offer. And also the West Coast Eagles are using possibly Nick Natanui as one of their keys to try and entice uh, the young West Australian boy from Williton to the Eagles next year. It's a developing story and we're right across it here on Drive. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Peter Vlahos, Kim Hagdorn with you. Um, this is the hot show tonight. Some big news coming out of this. Uh, g'day, boys. This is on the temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Great show again from afar. Love it. Popular spot for AFL footballers is Morty Alec. Mm-hmm. Had a mate at the pub in question regarding Stephen Hill and also Paddy Ryder. Just repeating, Kim, that you delivered the uh, – Brad Hill, sorry. Apologies, Steve. Brad Hill – and Paddy Roddy delivered the news that they were, well, they were stood, stood down, down for was, disciplinary reasons. Yeah, because there was a big blue, a big fight, mm. uh, and Paddy Ryder uh, went to the assistance of Brad Hill, it seems. Okay, and, uh, and it went and on so to say... Stood, and we were surprised that Brad Hill was personal reasons. 
That you can almost accept. Paddy Ryder managed. 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 No, they had to beat Sydney. Yeah. So what's happened is that uh, this fella, uh, Robbo from Brisbane, had a mate at this so-called venue. Well, the altercation happened Sunday evening after the Essendon debacle. Oh, that's last week then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Haggers getting the good mail. It was on big time. His mate said, and over very quickly, all players in attendance, so there must have been other players there, scattered like a bomb had gone off. Mm. So it happened, something happened, uh, and all of a sudden, bang, they were out of there. Nah. Well, th- this this clearly will grow. You, yeah. you can just see the, the likes of the Melbourne. Uh, Good on you, Robbo. Thanks Melbourne. for that. Thank you, Robbo. Yeah, no, the Melbourne footy reporters that get their teeth into these, and they're not necessarily the frontline footy reporters. I mean, I've always sort of said that some of these sorts of stories you don't like, You'd rather be talking. I mean, I'd rather be talking about Fremantle's poor performance the other day because yeah. I thought two big news items that won't get covered in this town. Uh, there might be a response to something that one or two of us might say, and particularly if it was a Peter Sumich, for instance, mm. who, who analysed and said, and or a Brad Hardy somewhere that are willing to say what they believe about Fremantle because I, I thought Nathan Fife's performance on Saturday was was, was very appalling, poor. and David Mundy was even worse. You know, twenty odd hours after David Mundy said, "I want to play on next year," they'll have to kick me. They'll out. have to kick me out. He, he, they, they were their second and third worst players. Those two players on the, two greats, and yet nothing's been done or said. Excuses made, but uh, they were really poor, really poor. Because I thought they got exposed in particular, but the whole Fremantle midfield got exposed for what we've been sort of concerned about for the whole season that when it gets really hot and heavy around the big congestion and the big bodies bash into the likes of Dave Mundy and Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong and, and even Will Brodie, who escaped it all and finished up their best player, I thought, for Fremantle. Mm. But but the likes of Fife and Mundy. Now, the Carlton boys, like every other team that Fremantle are going to play, Port Adelaide, St Kilda, Sydney, Richmond, Melbourne, in coming weeks, so that's their next month. They're, they're going to go for five. They're going to go for, for his shoulder. They're going to try and dump him into the ground. They're going to bash him and hit him hard, hip on shoulder, shoulder on shoulder. Nathan Fife looked to me as though he was concerned with that shoulder. And I wasn't convinced the first, the previous week when it was lauded his comeback. I wasn't overly convinced his comeback against Peel as well because he was protecting his shoulder. But they were poor the other day. And I thought Fremantle got exposed for what we've been suspicious all year. When it gets really heavy in the heavy bodies around the congestion, and then break, and the opposition have got possession of the ball, they also don't do a lot defensively. And Nathan and Fife in particular didn't do much defensively to try and prevent the Carlton burst and stream forward. And even worse was when the ball was in Fremantle's forward line. And the Fremantle forwards laid just several, seven tackles, seven tackles inside their forward 50, and that allowed the likes of Doherty and Saad to emerge as two or the three mm. of the best players on the ground. They also didn't do it. Was was I couldn't believe no move to try and stop Sam Walsh. Sam Walsh played as a high half forward in the first term, and then went once they were getting control around the ball, Carlton, with all those big bodies getting on top of Brayshaw and Sarong and Fife and Mundy. Fife and Mundy have had four possessions to half time. It was. You can't accept that, no. and you can't not make comment about it, everybody. So you have to accept that there's things aren't right there around the midfield and defensively, the midfield and then there's small poor. forwards. There's it's... small forwards. Rory Lobb made three tackles. The other six or seven forwards have laid four as a total between them, and yet mm. some of them are talked about as best, better players. I mean, Tabin is still is a better player because he kicked two early goals. Freeman will kick the first three goals in the game, kicked four of the next 16 in the match. 
and the ball just bounced down into Carlton. Carlton could have beaten Fremantle by more, and I think that's a real concern. Yeah. Even though Fremantle can come back, but it's a big, it's a big rebound, it's a big recovery because the coach has to get into some of these uh, issues to prevent Port beating them. Even St Kilda. St Kilda might be a mess, but imagine if they rebound off this. Peter. And at Marvel as it's well. It's at Marvel, exactly. And then Sydney here, Richmond away, Melbourne here. That's Fremantle's next month. Okay. Uh, good on you, Simon. I agree. That's why we've got him back. Uh, best in the business, Haggers. Must listen radio. It has been must listen radio tonight. Don't worry about that. Now, let's look at Essendon, who beat West Coast, and the pressure now on Ben Rutten. Oh, sorry, West, West Coast, Coast beat yeah, yeah. Essendon, and the pressure continues on Ben Rutten. I'm still thinking about the news that you dropped here tonight, Haggis. Uh, and this is what Rutten had to say on where the bombers are at. We just need to keep working, you know, stick to the, the plan and the process of what we're doing, keep working hard, keep using these opportunities as ones that, you know, to get better. You know, these are experiences that our group need to, that are going through, they need to go through, and we're going to be better for it. There's no doubt about that. He sounds a lot to I, I me like, I like, said that. like Adam Simpson I, was I, talking about uh, during the course of that period where they were getting flogged every week. Oh, he's talking more like uh, Damien Drum and uh, Mark <laughs> Neald. That's garbage. Damien Drum and I, Mark Neald. Damien <laughs> Drum's the worst coach that I've ever had any displeasure to have to deal with or to watch and, and cover. That's why you're up in Neald, politics. Mark Neald was terrible. He, he was a horrendous coach. David Noble is stepping into the same d- sort of degrees of garbage that he talks post-match. Ben Rutten, oh, I could have said what Ben Rutten there. Yeah. Oh, we've got to keep working hard. We've got to learn from it. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a lot of things go their way the other night and they, they couldn't finish. They couldn't finish. And the, the, the contested possessions, they were slightly better than West Coast. Uh, clearances, they won that. They they thirty seven to thirty. West Coast inside fifties. They had fifty eight inside fifties. And if Peter Wright kicks straight, straight. finish with four four. Peter, mm. if he kicks six two seven one, they've won the game. But yeah. they, 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 I think they're dispirited too, Essendon. And and he's another coach under siege because I think I don't think he's got the respect of his players. Yet that was that, say that was hard to watch yesterday. Well done to Adelaide. They they won very comfortably against North North Melbourne down there in Hobart. But it was just. It was like watching really it community wasn't a good football. Footy. You could hear the players yeah. talking amongst themselves because yeah. there's hardly anyone at the ground. Haggers, uh, here's an, an interesting one on the text, 0487 736 736. And it may be valid, and we'll have to wait the next few weeks to see how it transpires. Hate to say it again, but you're right, Haggers. Everybody's complimenting you today. Uh, Monday Fife's days are numbered in the middle, just too slow, in my opinion. Now, And where else can they play? I mean, well, Nathan that's... didn't look – Nathan Fife did not look comfortable as a forward, even, mm. though, even though that Carlton defence, yeah, they're no-names. They, they, they battled, they hit the ball, they hit the bodies. Well, that was and... going to be their Achilles heel. That's where yeah. Frio was supposed to get them. But why say that publicly going into the game? Again, I think some of the Fremantle approach has been a little bit ahead of themselves. Even last week, to be able to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's where we'd like to exploit them. You don't let Carlton hear that three days before the game. Mm. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Come and join us. Temper of Bedshed, text line 0487 736 736, 14 to 6. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. In towards Darling, just over his head. Kennedy is waiting out the back on the burst to the goal line. Josh Kennedy! Delirium at Optus Stadium. 
Let's go back to Listen Josh to Kennedy. Yeah, it was, was there eighty thousand there? Yeah, it was really good, <laughs> and I think he's the most popular figure inside the West Coast Eagles lineup. And it's a case, as you said at the top of the program, how many more games does he play before he says goodbye? Oh, and look, I, I, I want to say again, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play against Richmond this week. But by the same token, he's kicked five. He's a, he's just a tough bloke. He'll get that knee of his up. He's troubled with his knee week after week. He can't train, mm. Josh Kennedy. It's brave. But because he's come off the bye and and was freshened up, healthy, uh, I, I just felt that that's a sign that he could miss another game or two soon. Because if West Coast have got a farewell plan for him, probably not Carlton now. We'd start to hear something about it really soon. Would Josh soon. know about his farewell plan, do you think? Josh has told or is, the, or is it still work in progress? Josh has told the club he's finishing. So let's let's announce this. Mm-hmm. Josh Kennedy, my understanding is he has told the club within the last couple of weeks that he will finish, and he'll get a farewell. He'll accept a farewell game as long as his body can hold up. He's mm-hmm. got a he's got a knackered knee, and he needs to get through. The club is looking at also farewell game for Josh Kennedy. That he has told them he will not bother with trying to go on next year. Let's find a farewell game. So he needs to be helped. Needs to be helped through that. He can't play on the road and at home for the rest of the season. He's going to have to miss some away oh. games. Well, let's see what happens at the selection yeah. table come Thursday night. Well, now, I, thought, well, I had him as a winner for the week too, Kennedy, yeah. uh, because he kicked the five. He's now only two goals short of seven hundred with West Coast. Remember, he kicked eleven in his 22 games at Carlton. So he's two from 700 at West Coast, and you'd like to see that done at home than a scraping, grovelling game at Richmond uh, at the MCG at the weekend. And so Nick Natnew, let's declare, he will definitely play against Richmond Mm -hmm. at the MCG. Tidy performance from Nick Natnew. He played the 70 minutes, 17 possessions, 26 hit-outs and a couple of goals, and four or five really good marks. That was useful, yeah. But the initial plan was for Nick Natnew to play till half-time. Go out of the shower, put the tracksuit on, day finished. Nick refused that. He didn't think that would be fair to the standard of the waffle and to the players he wanted to play with. So Nick Natanui said, no, I'll play till the end. My understanding is also that Nick Natanui refused to come off late into the final term so they could get him over the fence and into the clubhouse and away from any fans. His attitude was, well, no, 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 no. There's people that have come to see me have a game. I'm with these blokes. We're going to finish the game, and then I'll do I'll do some autographs and photos as we walk off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that sort of is a testimony to his service and I think his character, but also he's thinking of the club. Yeah. And that's why I reckon he's also, just to quickly repeat before we go, that Nick Natanui is willing to be part of West Coast Eagles' strategy to attract Luke Jackson. He's willing to meet with Luke Jackson to talk about why he should come to West Coast. And if you come, I'll play on, Nick Natanui will play on as the number two ruckman to Luke Jackson, willing to play a lot less time and perhaps even miss some games when he's not required if Luke is leading the ruck and going well. So mm-hmm. that's part of the strategy that West Coast will put to Luke Jackson despite Fremantle meeting with him last Saturday morning in Morty Alec. Yeah, uh, big news tonight. You've had uh, full uh, four, four, five stars, Haggers, five-star performance. Uh, hi, guys. Totally agree with you, Kim and uh, Pete, about five. He's unfit, no confidence. His shoulder's not right, and there's no point putting him in the forward line. He can't kick goals and can't lift his arms to take a mark. And the longer the game went on, he was more frustrated. So there you go. That's on the temperate bedshed text line. Thanks, Lise. All right, Haggers. Um, Thanks, Peter. See you later in the week. Yeah.
Yeah, see you on Thursday. More, more and, great footy coming. And we'll see if Jeff, Josh Kennedy is announced and the Eagles line up for their match against Richmond. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Bray. We'll be back again tomorrow. Drive with Peter Vlahos from, uh, from 5 o'clock tomorrow. It's been a big show, let me tell you. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre.